cultures may have lots in common. Yet remember, two magnets with the same polarity do not stick together. They say that differences are dangerous, yet seven stripes on the same color will never make a rainbow. Don't be deceived by similarities, but don't focus too much on the differences. Devil is in the details. Same but different series aims to show what national cultures have in common, what makes them different, and how both the similarities and differences influence the way we do business. Family is at the center of Mexicans' life. I think coffee might be a universal language for the three cultures we're discussing today. Humor is used as a means of fostering positive and lighthearted environment in the workplace. We appreciate talking about things we do outside of work. First, ask yourself, what feedback is for you? Sometimes Chileans say no without actually mentioning the word no. Greetings to our listeners. Alejandro Vesela and I are excited to present episode two of the podcast devoted to Mexico, Colombia, and Chile. And it's a particularly interesting one, I'd say, as it's about the peculiarities of building relationship, communication, and interaction between people. What can be more illustrative when it comes to cultures, right? Hello, everyone. Feels great to be back. We really hope you enjoyed the first episode, and we're looking forward to the second part, where we will share some insights about Mexico, Colombia, and Chile. Stay tuned and discover how same but different these three cultures are. If I could start with a bit of a question, Ali, how high would you rate family on the list of values for Mexicans? Oh, I would definitely say that this is at the very top of the list. Family is at the center of Mexicans' life, and it is important to give time to them. Most of the time, people will stop what they're doing if a family member needs any form of assistance. Family comes first is a common phrase we use to exemplify this behavior. Also, Mexicans have a strong sense of community. So most of our activities involve family and friends, such as outdoor events, school events, maybe some family gatherings. And this is something that we like to talk about. Ali, do you mean with friends and close people or in the business setting too? Oh, definitely. It's quite common for us to bring up family and friends in the conversation with colleagues or managers. And even during interviews, for example, when I ask colleagues from Colombia, Chile, or Mexico about their weekend or their hobbies, they like to share what they do with their family, their partner, and their friends. It's like opening the door so others can peek into our personal lives. That's so true. My Chilean student loves talking about her two nephews. This is a recurring topic in our classes. She started sharing bits and pieces of her personal life once we established a connection and trust during our sessions. She's a major caretaker of the two little children, and I can definitely see how there is a strong emphasis on family values in the Chilean culture, and family members are considered a primary source of comfort, care, and understanding. I observe something similar in the culture of Colombia. Cherishing their family, Colombians also seek other people's understanding that they have a family and a personal life and expect other people's respect for their work-life balance and important things in life. Family is an overarching value in society, I would say, which is, of course, projected onto business. Like one of my colleagues from Colombia said, the company and the team have to feel like a family. 
We need to know about the company's values and cultures and feel like we belong here. Well said. I can relate to it, too. Generally, I would say Colombians tend to build quite close and personal relationship with those they work with. Um, that's why you will notice people communicating tactfully and being mindful of the tone of voice used. I remember one of the colleagues from the country saying that they consider Colombians an apologetic nation. You will hear people apologizing when making a comment or asking a question or asking for help, like something that one wouldn't think requires an apology. And I see it's one of the ways to protect relationships and avoid hurting other people in any way possible. Indeed, Lesia, this is a shared feeling among Mexicans, too. We're looking to create strong relationships and bond with our co-workers and our managers. At the end of the day, we keep in mind that we spend half of the day at work, which means that work feels very much like a second family. And that is why we take care of each other and our relationships. At this point, I assume our listeners have guessed that people from Mexico, Colombia, and Chile would build trust through communication and interaction. So what would help our listeners connect with their colleagues? I think a great practical tip here would be to show curiosity. Like, ask your colleagues questions about the region they come from, its cuisine and traditions, coffee, and simple things like what plans they've made for the weekend. And remember that remote work offers possibilities to connect personally too. Like, try to notice things when the camera is on. For example, people's background may be a great conversation starter. And your attempt to learn more about them is a meaningful sign that you're interested in building relationship. I think coffee might be a universal language for the three cultures we're discussing today. Chileans love a cafecito or testecito time between meetings. Sharing a cup of tea or coffee and bonding over topics like sports, current political situation, holidays or family matters, you name it, they're ready to discuss it. However, there is one thing that you need to remember if you're communicating with someone from Chile. Chileans love making jokes and they're really proud of that. Personally, I had a hard time adjusting to their particular sense of humor when I was living there. Once they feel comfortable enough with you, they will start using jokes uh, that can sound full of irony and sarcasm. The closer they feel their relationship with you, the more comfortable they will be to say something sarcastic. I had to learn not to take things personally and to appreciate Chilean humor for what it actually is, a cultural characteristic or simply their, their way of building rapport with you. Such a great point, Vasila. And it's also worth mentioning that humor in these cultures can be multifaceted and have a number of aspects to it. Like in Colombia, it includes sarcasm, wordplay, and even teasing and self-deprecation, like making fun of yourself. However, it's always friendly and warm to individuals. So Colombians would only go as far as it stays respectful and sensitive to people's feelings. And um, one more thing, humor is used as a means of fostering positive and lighthearted environment in the workplace. I remember the manager of the project that I was involved in 
telling me about the case in an interview. So they asked the candidate if they had ever dealt with a conflict. And the candidate said, I have because my wife is really hot, so we sometimes fight over this. So people would make jokes in what seems to be strictly professional setting, and even if they've just met you. So it's a great tool to connect. I've also noticed that during interviewing processes, all three, Mexicans, Colombians, and Chileans, enjoy answering questions about what they like to do in their free time, their hobbies, what they do during the weekend, apart from work-related topics. We appreciate talking about things we do outside of work. It helps shed a light into our lives and possibly share some things that we might have in common. And if we can do this at a coffee shop or a bar or even a restaurant, it will be much more amiable. Speaking of sharing food, it seems like people from different corners of the world may have different perception of what food is in our life. I don't think I've ever thought about it before. Like, what perceptions, for instance? Well, for many Latin American cultures, food is a lot more than a substance or fuel for your body. Um, For example, it's a source of pride and identity and social cohesion in Colombia. Sharing food and beverages in a business setting helps to connect with people on a more personal level. Besides, I've noticed my colleagues from Colombia suggesting informal dinner or coffee time to mend things after confrontations with their colleagues and clients. Indeed, Lesia. Food is a big part of Mexican culture. During weekdays, we usually have a big lunch around 2 p.m., where it is customary for all family members to sit at a table and enjoy a nice meal where we talk about things like work. And during weekends, it's quite common to have family gatherings and enjoy a tasty meal where there is no pressure to get back to work. So usually these gatherings start around 3 p.m. and can last until 10 p.m. or even later. It is a time we value greatly. And like Colombians, we also enjoy having dinner or coffee with colleagues. We appreciate face-to-face interaction. It helps to build trust and strengthen relationships. At times, this might seem straightforward by other cultures. So if we invite you to have drinks or coffee after work or maybe even dinner, don't worry. That's just a normal thing to do. So considering the importance of relationships in these cultures, our listeners must be now thinking, how do you approach feedback? That's a great question. And one wouldn't be wrong if they choose the indirect, soft way and deliver feedback in private. But the two things that I'd like to emphasize come from my personal um, consulting experience. So um, first, ask yourself what feedback is for you. If you think about it as a primary tool to help people grow by understanding what they can improve on, you might want to reconsider. That's interesting. What exactly do you mean here, Lesia? What I'm trying to say is that at the end of the day, feedback is not only about the things to adjust, but also what people are great at. Oh, that is so true. And this is especially important when delivering feedback to a colleague from Colombia. It shows in the way an expert responds to the candidate's answers during an interview or in how you deliver your perspective to a teammate and how you as a mentor or the team leader develop the team member. 
I really think it helps to recognize people's strengths, notice what helps them achieve results, and praise it. Recognition is feedback too, and a great source of motivation for Colombians. And what would be the second thing you were going to mention, Lesia? Oh, right. Um, let me present it with a case um, once shared by a project manager, and which is actually on the brink of feedback and the interaction between the manager and the team. At some point, the manager identified a certain change in the team's attitude and dynamics. So it was about like minor things. People sat in the room, the way like they kept the physical distance between them or the way they talked and their face expression, of course. Uh, so in the meeting, the manager asked the team if things were fine and they said they were. Sounds like a common thing. And I think I know what happened next. The manager added that they are always open to anyone who'd like to discuss the things that are bothering them. And after the meeting, a few colleagues approached the manager and raised their concerns in a one-to-one -one conversation. So what does this case tell us about? Well, first, it really helps to notice how people behave and interact because they are likely to communicate not only with words, but also non-verbally. Second, if you notice people withdrawing themselves from you and your routine interaction, that might be the way of communicating negative feelings or emotions or the intention to avoid confrontation. And third, it's really important for a manager to demonstrate that their door is open and that they care. An emotionally safe environment would encourage people to open up faster and share more willingly, I think. So, Alejandro Vassilo, what would you say our listeners need to know about how nonverbal communication works in the Mexican and Chilean cultures? That is very interesting, Lesia. I believe that us Mexicans communicate more with our body language, especially in face-to-face -face interactions. Behind the screen, we might use our facial expressions strongly to add feeling and emotion to what we're saying. For Mexicans, revealing emotions come naturally and easily. In class, when I ask them about their day or their weekend, they will undoubtedly bring about the emotion that they felt. Regarding feedback, this is a very important matter for all three countries. I've noticed this during my English courses. Mexicans, Colombians, and Chileans appreciate a softer approach to feedback. For example, you might want to start with things they do well, praise them for their strengths, and then when talking about improvements or changes that need to be made, try a gentler approach where an open communication flow is encouraged and they can propose a roadmap to improve while also providing your own ideas. Another example, at the end of an interview, a Chilean colleague openly asked about getting some feedback. He said, I would be very grateful if you could give me your feedback. And then I began by saying things that he does well, using phrases like, you have great communication skills. He used a variety of different structures, such as able to, used to, manage to, do to. You have ample vocabulary. You add descriptors to your responses. And after this, I also mentioned the things that he might want to work on or improve. And I used phrases like, at times you confuse the usage of certain prepositions, like on, in, at. I noticed a bit of confusion when talking about the past. 
try to practice the order of adjectives, and so on. And after I was done giving him his feedback, he was very appreciative of the detailed description and said, thank you, this is very helpful. Great examples, Alejandra. Another interesting aspect in communication would be how people show emotions. The level of expressiveness seems to be different when it comes to our three cultures. Vasila, what would you say about Chile here? I, I think I have heard people calling Chileans Germans in Latin America. Where does this come from? The Chilean culture might be the least expressive one of the three, with Chileans still being expressive compared to other cultures around the globe. Something interesting I discovered while living in Chile was the fact that sometimes Chileans say no without actually mentioning the word no. You might hear a lot of maybes or let me think about it, accompanied by gestures showing uncertainty combined with tactfulness. They wouldn't want to give a straight refusal or say that they won't be able to do something before the due date, for example. Bluntly rejecting something would cause discomfort. It's almost like it would ruin their relationship with the other person. I bet there are plenty of people from around the globe who would say saying no is being honest. Right. However, if you're trying to read Chileans, you can pay attention to their facial expressions. They convey emotions through subtle cues. Smiling is a sign of friendliness, right, and warmth, but excessive smiling is informal situations could be perceived as insincere as opposed to the other two cultures we're discussing. Chileans might appear slightly colder than Mexicans and Colombians, but just give them time to get to know you. They will welcome you to their family afterwards. I think Vesela brought up an interesting topic here. Regarding the word no and how Chileans use different wording. And with all honesty, I think that this is also quite common with us Mexicans. Our approach tends to be less direct, more circuitous. So for example, in the business context, a manager asks an associate to work on some extra tasks. Normally, we wouldn't openly say no. We often provide a narrative explaining why we can't do it in hopes for the manager to realize this and say, oh, okay, I see, no problem. We'll find a different way. And this may have to do with the fact that customer service and tourism is a big part of Mexico's economy. And that might explain why simply saying no is at times difficult for us. And interestingly enough, it works the same way in social settings. So let's say that a friend invites you to a gathering or a dinner party. Saying no or I can't is not a common thing to do. Often we actually confirm our attendance deliberately knowing that we won't be going. And the organizer knows that so it's actually expected that you invite 30 people, but maybe only half will show up. It's like we know they wouldn't come, they know they wouldn't make it, and the invitation is still expanded and the conversation occurs. So to some people from other cultures, it might seem a pointless thing to do. But to me, it just reinforces the importance of relationship, the key to trust and the essential part of people's interaction. I also had to learn not to arrive on time at parties in Chile. That's a great example for us to see that cultural peculiarities are useful knowledge that could help us avoid misunderstandings, even when they come as a culture shock in the beginning. 
we all have our own cultural backgrounds and perceptions. So being open-minded and curious can open not only doors, but whole different worlds. Indeed, Vesela. And I would also like to add that having these spaces where we share our input and have a conversation about cultural differences can help us become more successful in both our professional and social undertakings, while also acknowledging the fact that every day brings about new challenges and that each of us, being as unique as we are, will experience things differently. I couldn't agree more here. So we hope you will keep being curious and we'll stay tuned for more episodes of the series, Same But Different. Mm-hmm.